good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us. And hi for listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are being safe and well. And how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Just uh, cruising through life, man. You know how it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just put something to put life on cruise control and just let you know, let it flow, let it, it flow like the ocean. And and speaking of things that didn't flow or flow, depending on which side of the spectrum you're on, you know, let's dive into college football. A lot of teams really ebbed and flowed, but I know you want to talk about a team that really super kind of ebbed, ebbed, you know, last week. And I'll, I'll just sit here and I'll just drink my water and I'll listen to you. Go, go, go on ahead, my man. There, there's this guy woo, that said, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo. And UCF, you are not the man. You are not the best team in Florida. You are not even someone who should be sitting at the adults table. So, I'm going to give you some crayons and a little piece of paper for you to draw outside the lines on, and that's where you need to stay from now on. Your game <laughs> against the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, where one of their players wearing their stupid bling necklace looks like he was an advertisement for Propecia, played on their organization. They beat you. Dudes in their 30s beat you, UCF. You are not the best team in the nation. I need you to go ahead, and I just need you to simmer down on all that nonsense. I have preached time and time again of how unreputable UCF is. And people say, oh, well, you know, they stepped up to the challenge and they they beat a good team. They beat Auburn. You're right. And a broken clock also is two times a day. So let that sink in for a little bit. Now, on the other side of the cage, you look at some of the talent that they honestly play. Um, Memphis, Temple, East Carolina, SMU, Florida Atlantic, Navy, USF, uh, Florida A&M, you know, I mean, Tulsa, whoo, Tulane, you know, teams like Tulane put 500 plus yards on UCF last year, but then they're going to come and say that they're the best team in Florida. Dude, you guys couldn't fight yourselves out of a wet paper bag in a hurricane because the Golden Hurricanes took a golden shower on you girls. So, I think my point got across, and I hopefully, and I'm sure I'm going to catch a lot of flack for it on all the UCF fanboys. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Look, let's let's face the facts. University of Florida offered a, a, a play series on you guys. Y'all refused. And we were even going to do it a season opener. So you're going to catch us nice and fresh and ripe like a tomato off the vine, a banana off the tree, or an orange getting plucked off the tree like in Central Florida happens. You guys refused it. Instead, you'd rather play FAMU or Tulsa or some of these other no-name organizations that are just laughable that somehow they're even considered to beat Division I. Um, you guys literally dropped the ball, figuratively and literally. Um, you guys have a Probably a, a, your toughest matchup at a laughable Memphis, and then uh, Tulane, Houston, Temple, and then Cincinnati. Cincinnati's definitely ranked a little bit higher than they should be, and when they play a team of talent, I mean, 
they were honestly projecting the Army to beat Cincinnati. So we're just going to leave it at that. So uh, UCF, thanks for coming. Thanks for leaving. If you need any information on how to play the varsity squad, please contact the University of Florida's athletic office or maybe Miami, uh, even FSU, I think, on a good year. Maybe not this year, but they're still not as lame as you guys. So that's enough for me beating up on on UCF. I think I made my point. Um, so stop trying to talk like you're the best team in Florida because you're not, and you would never survive in a Power 5 conference. Um, around the rest of the league, uh, there was a shootout in Texas, all pun intended, with TCU and the uh, University of Texas there. The Longhorns fell short. I'm just full of puns today. Damn it, man. Um, TCU squeaked out a victory uh, against against Texas uh, in a very, very late fashion. And my hat's off to them. Um, you know, the, the good old Horn Frogs, they're one of those programs that for the longest time never really got taken seriously. But uh, once again, there's this thing on the Big 12 that they really don't discuss or practice or partake in, and apparently it's called defense. It's like this unknown variable that they, they're they really not quite sure what it is, but they know it's there. It, it's kind of like gravity or the theory of gravity and like black holes. Like scientists, we know like that there are things like that. And we know that they're out there in the world, but we just don't know how or what uh, is going to happen. So it's kind of like defense in the Big 12. They know it's there, but just they really don't know what it is. And that was proven once again by a reputable uh, Big 12 team. So Texas, thank you for giving me a good laugh. Um, the one game I was actually truly interested in watching was the Alabama and Texas A&M game. Uh, I really sat down and same thing with the Georgia Auburn game, but we'll start off with, with Bama and, uh, and A&M watching that game up front. And at the beginning, uh, I thought it was going to be a, a closer game. I, 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 I truly did. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, this is going to be a ride. Could this be the day that Nick Saban finally gets slayed by one of his 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 apprentices? But the evil emperor does this thing and and casts another one into the, the the pit of misery, and Nick Saban just steamrolled once. At once he got out of the first quarter, uh, his team was like a diesel engine. Once the motor got warm, <laughs> there was no turning back. Uh, Alabama just, uh, I mean. They put a thumping on AM. And uh I don't know where Bama gets these recruits from. I don't know if they're genetically enhanced super soldiers in like some secret underground lair in Nick Saban's basement. I don't know if he's holding these kids' parents hostage. I don't know what he does, but this man pulls recruits. Uh, this new quarterback they got at Bama there, uh Mac Jones. Yeah, 20 for 27, 435 yards. Four TDs and and one interception. That 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 is like Madden level stats right there. Low passing attempts, huge yardage, multiple touchdowns. It, that was a very fun game to watch. Um, it definitely, like I said, once it started pulling away, I kind of knew where the direction it was going to go, and we all kind of saw <laughs> what went on from there. Uh, the other one, of course, the Georgia Auburn game. I think we all went into that expecting Auburn to put up uh, a bigger fight than they did. Um, 
Bo Nix just I, I, I don't know if he knew that he had a game to play that week. Uh, maybe he thought he had a uh, a bye week, but it was absolutely positively a a poor performance uh, for for what for what it was. That game was supposed to be a, a a showdown as it always is at the later part of the season. I don't know, maybe because it's so early in the season, maybe that was a problem. But if if Gus Malzahn doesn't get his act together. I could foresee the coaching carousel opening up a seat if you catch my drift. Um, LSU, of course, bounced back against Vandy. Another disappointing loss for Oklahoma. They they fell to uh, Iowa State. Um, so I think I, I I know you 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 have a, uh, an affliction uh, for Oklahoma as I do to uh, to UCF. Um, Clemson steamrolled Virginia. And then, of course, circling back to our boys, um, Florida and South Carolina. Um, that was that was a good game. Kyle Trask, just again another four touchdown game. Uh, Kyle Pitts with again two touchdowns. He didn't have a hundred and seventy something yards this go around, but he uh, he definitely made his presence known. Uh, Kadarius Tony, of course, once again, just he he made sure his presence on the field was known. Six receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown. And the thing that blows my mind is I don't know why people try arm tackling Kadarius Tony. If you do not hit that man below the hips, you are not bringing him to the ground. He will razzle, dazzle, shake, rattle, and roll you off of him. I don't know if that man is made of butter. Or he is just that damn good, but he can start and stop and turn like a fighter jet at ten thousand feet of altitude. That man, he he is playing four D chess while people are playing checkers on defense. And I just I cannot get enough of the performance that he has. Um, you know, Damian Pierce is really starting to step up in the run game. Nine carries for fifty-one yards and a touchdown. Even Kyle Trask got out there and got those those big old draft legs moving. And uh, as much as I pick on Tom Brady for running, uh, I, Kyle Trask is built like Brady. He's tall. He's big. Running is not a forte for him. But that man has has become such a cerebral assassin in the pocket from last year to this year it, it is and even as as much as i dislike kirk herbstreet and for all of just the negativity he brings on every team but notre dame and ohio state hearing him actually compliment kyle trask in the pregame assessment uh over the weekend was it, it was heartwarming because i think honestly they're starting to realize that this kid is a real deal and the the I mean, there's even a hashtag trending Kyle to Kyle for for Trask and Pitts. Um, it is just outright amazing the the performance that this young man is doing. I promise that we will all see him on a Sunday screen next year, and nothing but great things. And he is just he's become so intelligent inside the pocket that he maneuvers in and out, up and down, side to side. And when he needs the run, he made some very intelligent runs to get us where we needed to go. Um, of course, you know, South Carolina, they they did what they could. Our offense, I think, was just a little too overwhelming for him. On the flip side of the ball, our defense is still not firing on all cylinders. 
Um, I, I, I really think that we're going to have to step up our, uh, our defense against Texas A&M this weekend. Um, there's definitely room for improvement. Uh, Todd Grantham, you saw him do what he does best and get aggressive in the later part of the game. He was firing off those blitz packages like they were one five five rounds uh, go, going into enemy territory. And uh, he definitely made the presence felt. The, the D-line needs to get more push. The secondary needs to get a little bit more awake out there. Um, if, if we could fix our, our evolution issues on defense... I don't know a lot of teams that could stop us because we're putting a lot of points on the board and we're preventing points from being on the board. And that's how you win a football game, if I'm correct, is you outscore your opponent and you make damn sure that they don't put any points on the board. Um, other than that, you know, it was a it was a very intriguing weekend of football uh, for college. I'm really looking forward to some of the games uh, this coming week. The Georgia-Tennessee game, actually, I think is going to get some serious attention Tennessee has had a second coming of Christ and is actually capable of doing something. Um, uh, Florida State is playing Notre Dame. That one, as much as I hate Florida State, there is a team that I hate more, well, besides Ohio State, uh, is Notre Dame. They're just one of the most overrated programs in the history of college football. And I would love to see Florida State come back and just, just, just railroad them. Uh, and then, of course, I definitely think game of the week is going to be the Miami and Clemson game. We're about to figure out if the quote-unquote U is back. I don't think they are. They've played a bunch of scrub teams. They're essentially on the, the track record for UCF. You put them against some stiff competition, let's see what happens. Uh, if they beat Clemson, I'll say something different. Hell, I'll even almost apologize. I don't know if I will because you know me and apologies don't go too well together. But I'll at least have That's a little bit more <laughs> you know, I'll at least have some more respect for Miami. And then, like I said, we got Texas A&M lined up. Uh, and then, of course, we could see the supreme disappointment of Texas and Oklahoma. So that'll be a uh, uh, an intriguing matchup that that could potentially look like a, an NBA game. Maybe we can get some scores in the high 90s since they're not going to play defense. Um, that's that's what I got. I know you wanted to touch on a, uh, on a, a couple things on the college side. Well, you know, a couple of things, and, and I'll circle, I'll start back from the point you talked about with Miami. We've got to remember, it wasn't a lifetime ago that Miami did beat a top five Notre Dame team. Well, it was in Miami. I'm not going to sit here and officially say the U is back. And one of the things that I've talked about on this, and you know how much I love the quarterback position. And I think a lot of people who listen know I love the quarterback position because people hear me talk about it. I love the quarterback position, Chris. And getting Derek King changed this program. And having an actual having an actual quarterback under center, Miami looks a lot better. And if you put that along with Miami's defense, Manny Diaz knows defense. And now you got a great offense. You know. If they could, even if Chris, even if they go on the road and they lose to Clemson, if they lose by, I'd say less than twenty, Chris, I feel the program is still going in the right direction because at the end of the day, Chris, Clemson is still Clemson. Oh, absolutely. And so, so if they can hang with Clemson, I can I can make a now that you know make a case for the U in that regard, but. Shifting gears to a team that I can't make any more cases for, it's 
it's essentially Oklahoma and Texas. Chris, those were the two hopes for this conference to go to the college football playoff. And essentially, Chris, that's gone because Texas is going to be out of the top. They're going to be they're going to be out of the polls, I predict. And Oklahoma one and two. Chris, the loser of that game, Chris, Oklahoma could potentially go one and three. And I tell people, like people thought that, you know, I was picking up Oklahoma. No. Like I said, I used the analogy last week. You know, they're like how I feel about the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I just stay away from it. That's how they feel about defense. They don't believe in defense. I don't think Lincoln Riley is a terrible coach. But, Chris, you there are certain games, Chris, good teams are supposed to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. That's in any level of sports, period, from peewee all the way to professional, no matter the sport. When you look at your schedule, there are teams that you're supposed to beat. I look at Oklahoma, and I used the stat last week, Chris. Six times they they were double digit favorites, Chris, and they've lost. Since you, and that's, and I'm like, this is why I say, if you see Oklahoma with double digit spread, you stay away from it. If you're a betting, if you're a better, you stay away, because of the fact that Oklahoma does not play defense. While I believe that Texas's defense improved from the week before against that shootout versus Texas Tech, this Red River rivalry, Chris. On Saturday, Chris, if you had to ask me who I'd pick, I'd pick Texas because they have the better defense. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that Oklahoma has the better offense, but I feel Texas had the better defense. And speaking of defense, I want to give a shout-out to our former quarterback at Florida, Felipe Franks. Listen, Arkansas snapped a 20-game SEC losing streak against Mississippi State. And this is what I say, Chris, the ebb, that's why I use the analogy, ebbs and flows. Remember when Mississippi State was on top of the world for being the defending champs, Chris? Yeah. Well, they're, they they're forgot, they forgot they, and they forgot they had to play, a, they, they forgot they had a game next week. And I don't care who you play, you, you, you got to get off that roller coaster at some point and get back to reality and get grounded. And essentially, and Mississippi State's going to learn about Mike Leach. Because he he's, he did the same thing in Washington. He, everywhere he's gone, Chris, it's like he beat he has great wins, Chris, but he has terrible losses. And I think that Mississippi State's going to have to deal with that. Listen, he's a he's a very very solid coach, but like, look, the key what what Arkansas did is what LSU you know did, or maybe maybe they didn't. Maybe I didn't watch it close enough. Arkansas, the defensive coordinator was Barry Odom, who was in the Big Two, who who played, you know, ironically, he played against, you know, he played against very good defenses, against offenses, excuse me. Chris, they played zone defense. While Mississippi State, Chris, got a lot of yards, Chris, they didn't get a lot of points. Zone defense is basically, hey, we'll, you, we'll let you beat us in certain parts. But we're not going to let you. We're not. We're going to have everything in front of us, not behind us. And essentially, that's what Arkansas did. And people were like, "Well, how's Arkansas playing this?" Well, listen, when you play defense, Chris, at the end of the day, Chris, the SEC, there's still defensive roots there. I don't. So they do play defense. Like Arkansas didn't put up a ton of you know great offensive numbers, but Chris, they were outscoring every facet, you know, yards and all that jazz. But, Chris, they played a sound football game. And that's what matters at Mississippi State. Listen, it doesn't take away from K.J. Costello, 
but it's important for teams to understand that, hey, schemes and strategy matter. It's like, even if it is Arkansas, and going to that game, Arkansas hadn't beaten an SEC team since Brent Bylema was the head coach. So who's now, I believe, down in New England on Belichick's staff. You know, for the last couple of years, Chris, this this team went winless in the SEC. Yeah, they. I mean, they 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 struggled immensely. Uh, you know, and another thing, when you're talking about, you know, preparation, regardless what team you play, whether it's a schlub program like UCF or uh, or a, a bottom end program like Arkansas or an elite program like Alabama or LSU, one of the biggest differences, and I'm going to read you. Two people with two stats. Uh, one player, I'm going to ask you which, which person you think won the game. Uh, one player went 20 for 28, 212 yards, and two touchdowns. The other player went 43 for 59, 313 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Who do you think won that game? The guy with the three interceptions or the guy with zero interceptions? Conventional wisdom would say the guy with zero touchdowns should have won the football game. You are correct. Now, Felipe Franks was the gentleman who had the two touchdowns and zero interceptions, mm-hmm. and A.J. Costello was the guy with one touchdown and three interceptions. If you hypothetically, let's just spell this out layman's terms, the final score for Arkansas and Mississippi State was 21-14. If you equivalent every interception to a touchdown that's 21 points so if they wouldn't yep. have thrown those three picks that score is now 14 to 0 hypothetically you can't oh, yeah. turn the ball over and expect to win games now it happens and we're no there, there's i don't think there's ever been a quarterback in any professional collegiate division 1 or nfl that's prop that's gone through an entire season and never thrown an interception. I just, I, I, I may be wrong, but if, if memory serves me right, I don't think that that has ever happened. Um, and with that being said, you can't turn the ball over three times and expect to win a game, even against Arkansas. So, I mean, like I said, hats off to the former Gator, Felipe, uh, Mississippi, you, as, as we say, sometimes in, in, in the locker room, you blew your water early. You beat LSU and then you came back and lost to, to good old Arkansas. And uh, that's rough. <laughs> it's one thing to lose yeah. to a, a good program, but to lose to Arkansas, who hasn't won an SEC game in, what, three years? Ouchies. That's what I'm going to say. Yep. And and I'll just I'll wrap up with the college by simply saying, I think, Chris, I think what we learned – what I'm looking forward to is like the games you talked about, but I'm looking forward to games down the road. I'm looking forward to Florida and Texas A&M because Chris, whether, and I'll make this statement, Chris, and I don't know if you'll agree with me when I say this, I think it's a must win game for Jimbo Fisher. I think he needs to win this football game or Chris, keep it close simply because if you look at the way they've played, I just truly believe, Chris, that listen, Jim. They gave Jimbo the keys to that to that uh, to that to that team, Chris. And 
I'm not saying Jimbo has a national championship. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-Jimbo Fisher because at the end of the day, he, listen, whether we want to talk about old Jameis or not, he molded Jameis into a very good quarterback. And in the same capacity of what Dan Mullen has done his whole career. Like, look, I tell people, Chris, that Dak, that Dak Prescott kid started Mississippi State. And who was the head coach of Mississippi State? It was Dan Mullen. Yeah. So, so what's going on? I think, Chris, the important matchup in that game to look out for, and this may be, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, keep a target on it. It may sound obvious. Look at the quarterback play in that game, Chris. Dan Mullen, Kyle Trask, Jim, Jimbo Fisher, and Kellen Mond. Because Kellen Mond is no slouch. He's a very, very solid. This kid could potentially play on the sun. I have to watch more, more, you know, be the nerd in me and watch more Texas A&M footage. But from the, the, the sample that I've seen from him, Chris, he could potentially play on Sundays. But I won't be able to look at that matchup. And the reason why I talk about that is because I talk about quarterbacks and speaking, I transition to the NFL. Where, Chris, the quarterback play, listen, there are good quarterbacks on bad football teams. I don't know if you'll agree with that or not. There are good quarterbacks on bad football teams. Dak Prescott is a shining display of that. He is a great quarterback on just a terrible Dallas Cowboys team. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he he is the single easiest person to say that about. And one of the things, Chris, is that and I transition to that, and I'll let you start there because because this weekend uh, there'll be an article coming out on the podcast website where I discuss in more detail Dak's dilemma in Big D, where Dak is to blame just as much as the kid. If you remember, Chris, remember when the substitute teacher would come into class and, you know, kids, you know, just tune up the sub and just like act like a bunch of rambunctious. You know, we were there once. Oh yeah, yeah. Just a- you know, act right, outright savages, thinking that they could get away with it. And and essentially, and so for the purpose of this scenario, we'll just say Dak is the one kid who listens. And let's just say for anonymity, we'll just say Jerry and Mike and others. You know, protect anonymity, Chris. Now, when those kids act with the class of thirty. When kids act up and Dak's the one of the kids that act great, Chris, that sub comes back, Chris. That that teacher does not punish the 28 kids who screwed up. They punish everybody. And I think that's what's happening to Dak Prescott. Dak is suffering because everybody around him is terrible. And and that's when I told somebody, oh, well, Dak's the problem. I'm not saying, Chris, that Dak's a problem like he's the whole problem. I use that scenario, Chris, because he's the problem by proxy, if that makes any sense. He's the uh, by addition and subtraction because everybody else is – he's the quarterback, Chris. And like I was talking to somebody um, last week, I said, Chris, I said life's not fair, Chris, where, you know, you lead people, Chris, and sometimes you take the blame and it's not your fault. 100%. So- that's, that's the part of uh, – it's a funny thing I was actually discussing – uh, politics. I know what a what a what a shock coming from me uh, with somebody, and how I know right. <laughs> um, and they were talking. So uh, I, I won't get into to super fine details, but we were discussing a specific candidate's credentials, and 
and factual statistics on their stance of a particular issue and from what the emotional aspect is to what the factual aspect is are two very, very different stories. And the person that I was discussing it with said, well, that's her office or or that's the person's office, not them. And I'm like, when you are the leader of your office or your department or whoever or whatever you you are, every single person under your, uh, we'll call it jurisdiction, they are your voice. Their actions directly reflect you. If uh, you know, if it's something as simple as a corporation or a small business or the military, if, 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 uh, uh, let's just say a, a sailor or a, a, a Marine or an airman is out in public in uniform and they are acting a fool, they are representing their branch of, of military. If, if they're out there in their dress uniform and they're doing things they shouldn't be doing, they're misrepresenting their organization. And their organization is part of them, and therefore the leader of their organization, it, it, it directly reflects them. Or even something simple as um, a Walmart employee maybe telling you to kiss their ass in a store. Now, the store manager might not tell you to kiss his ass, but that directly reflects the store manager. And so what I'm circling to is even though something might not you say or do, it still reflects you as the leader of the organization. And the unfortunate cross to bear as the quarterback is as much notoriety and fun times and exposure you get as the quarterback. If you lose a game, it's still your fault. If the defense allows 50 points to be put on the board, and you score 49, somehow that's still your fault at the end of the day. And 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 that's where I think where, where Dak Prescott is, where a, a lot of this, I think, isn't really his fault. Uh, I mean, every player makes mistakes, don't get me wrong. He did make some bad passes. He does make some inaccurate throws and overthrows, underthrows, causes interceptions, makes poor decisions from time to time. As much as I hate Tom Brady... But he's still a great cerebral player, and he understands the game. Even Tom Brady makes mistakes. But Brady always had a supporting cast. Dak Prescott, I don't even think the Cowboys have a defense at this point. I uh, I started watching the game Sunday against the Browns, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I stayed out a little past my bedtime and turned into a pumpkin uh, Saturday going into Sunday. So nap time was actually the first three quarters of the Dallas Cleveland game. I just started nodding off and it was seven, seven. I think it was even 14, seven, you know, at the start of the game. And I was like, damn, this is going to be, this is going to be a shootout. I am, I am liking this. This is going to be a great game to watch. I fall asleep uh, like the elderly person I am. And I wake up and it's like 41 or 42 to like, 14 or just something out of control. And I mean, I mean, granted, you know, the Cowboys put 24 points up in the last few minutes of the game, but they still fell short. But where was, uh, where was Dallas's defense, you know? And, and the unfortunate thing to circle back 
is uh, Dak Prescott is taking a lot of the heat for for things that aren't his fault. And the man's doing as as good of a job as I think he can, given the circumstances. But if your defense can't stop scoring, what the hell are you doing? You know? Yeah. And, and the thing is, the thing is, Chris, and that's the point where I, I talk where I talk about in the article that's going to come out this weekend, Chris, is, is that, listen, I'll be the first person in the world to say, Chris, that I don't think Dak deserves, Russ money. I've made that point clear and evident. But I'm also the same person who looks at a situation and go, like, it's not his fault. But in the nature of business, which is, you know, and essentially life is, Chris, sometimes people blame you by proxy. You know, like I say, addition by subtraction. Now, like I said, you know, earlier in the analogy, Chris, listen, when people come out and punish people, Chris. They don't punish like in a group of 30, Chris, they're not going to punish 25 or 30 people, Chris. Guess what? 30 people have to work late even though 5 people did the right thing. Yeah. Is yeah, it you fair? Gotta, you gotta, Nobody got to pay the tax. Yeah, and I'm like I'm not saying it's fair, and I think Dax is in that locker room where in the locker room of 53, he's one of the 53 players where it's not his fault. And, and somebody on Twitter I know how much you love Twitter, Chris. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I don't want to say came at me because, you know, I think I can handle myself. I think I can. I'm six, I, I think I can handle myself, I think. But, and he was like, when I made the statement I did on Twitter, he was like, he's like, please don't say running the ball or Dallas defense. And I'm like, this is what I say, Chris. And I respectfully say that nobody reads anymore. Like, Chris... I never said I said Dak is a problem. Did I say I? But I said he wasn't the problem, and that's what I meant. D- Dak is a problem of addition by subtraction, because he's the quarterback. He's essentially the CEO of the Dallas Cowboys on the field. Because when you look at, they don't have the win loss record of the defense, Chris. It's always of the quarterback. We don't talk about man. Look at that defense's record. It's not publicized. And and here's the thing, Chris. I'll just share some things with you, Chris, about the, if you don't mind, about the game itself. Please, go ahead. So when I saw the game, Chris, I saw missed tackles. I saw missed assignments. I just saw a lack of a fundamental grasp of of defense in terms of, like I said, missed assignments. Chris, I even saw where, listen, Baker Mayfield did have the greatest game. And for the record, Chris, the Cleveland Browns are 30th in the league in passing. 30th. So, but yet that front seven, Chris, could not get to Baker. I just didn't see it. And look, this is this is the Cleveland Browns, Chris. And you know what? And I said it on last week's show, Chris, is that where I rip, listen, I rip Cleveland. I'll be the first guy to admit that I do. But I like to think of it this way, Chris. You know why I ripped the Cleveland Browns? Because the Cleveland Browns reminds me, I don't know if you've seen the movie She's All That. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Years ago. Years ago. And essentially, for those who haven't, you know, watched it, it's essentially, you know, Freddie Prince Jr., who I see as the king of the 90s movies. You know, he played a, he played a, you know, high school teenager. And he was kind of semi-bedded to turn 
one of the not so pretty good. Listen, I didn't write the movies, folks. I didn't write. Them. I just do the synopsis, and essentially turn that turn that teenage girl into a prom queen. Well, he did, and essentially, Chris, I, I would like to think that I she's all that in the Cleveland Browns, because listen, I found the worst team I could find, and I went on them. I said, hey, you're talented. There's no excuses, Chris. And look what happened. They're three and one. I'm not asking to take all the credit, Chris. <laughs> I just say I'll take about 15%, 20% of the credit. Because, Chris, when you look at something and you go, it's like with people. It's like, Chris, when you know people have potential and you want it, you want to get it out of them. But you understand, Chris, it has to be both sides. They have to be willing to work with you as much as you put the work into them. And the reality is that the Cleveland Browns, you know what? The one smart thing, they they hired an adult as the head coach. And I said that last week. Kevin Stefanski, the one smart thing he did, Chris, he got OBJ involved in this offense. Listen, five receptions, 81 yards, two touchdowns, but he also had two carries for 73 yards. Odell Beckham Jr., Chris, he has seven career receiving touchdowns versus Dallas. That's the most against any opponent he's ever faced. Jesus. And that goes to the years since he played in for the Giants. The defense, Chris, the, here's what to say about the Browns' defense. That game was not a fluke. Here's why. The Cleveland Browns, Chris, have had one takeaway in 11 consecutive games. That's the second longest streak in the NFL. And when doing research, Chris, here's the stat. That's going to probably knock your socks off. And it goes back to the defense. Since... 2018. Do you know how many takeaways the Cleveland defense has had? And once again, I'll give you between 50 and I'll give you between 50 and 100 plus or minus. Since it's a smaller margin, plus or minus three. How many? How many takeaways since since 2018 has the Cleveland Browns defense had takeaways? I'll say uh, 70. Well, you really – they've had 61 takeaways. Damn, since 20, I'm getting good since at And that's the third most in the NFL behind the Pat 72 takeaways in Seattle 66. Chris, this team is talented. You need an adult. Kevin Stefanski is an adult. Freddie Kitchens is the guy you see at the bar reliving his high school days. That was Freddie Kitchens. And everybody suffered. Baker suffered, and that offense suffered. You hire a guy, Kevin Stefanski, the same Kevin Stefanski, Chris, who made Kurt Kissing Cousins look like John Elway. So, and listen, I'll leave it at that, America. So you hired an adult. On the other end of the spectrum, Chris, this is how bad the Cowboys' defense, and you'll see some of this in this weekend's article. But I'll give you this, Chris. This defense has allowed 38 or more points in three straight games. That's the longest streak they've had since the team existed since 1960. They've never done that before. That's how historically bad this defense is. On top of that, Chris, they've allowed 1,907 yards. That's the most in the NFL. And here's the thing. Chris, they gave up 300 and seven yards allowed. And for the record, Chris, Nick Chubb didn't play the whole game. But they still, Chris, gave up 307 yards on the ground. 
that that is an issue that that's something that uh you have to uh, you know we 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 talked about that back in the college segment you got to be able to stop the other team from putting that many yards on you and if if cleveland can can clean that up they're they're a serious contender for their division and as crazy as that sounds right now i mean it's, it's- yeah, it, it, it's feasible, Chris, because I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I say, this defense, Chris, they've been good for three years. So when people point to say, oh, the defense is bad, Chris, remember, they still got Miles Garrett on, on, on that on that line. Yeah, Chris, they got a they got a great secondary, Chris. You know, they got Denzel, Chris, they have a great team. But this is what I say, Chris, when you this is how I say coaching matters, because it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum it is, Chris, because the last 10 or 15 Super Bowl winners look at guys like Pete Carroll, defense, Belichick, defense, Sean Payton, offense, Andy Reid, offense. It doesn't matter, Chris, what the specialty of the coach is more times than not, Chris, it's a matter of can they coach. Yeah, and the reality is that Kevin Stefanski. I'm not saying Kevin Stefanski is going to be the next Paul Brown, Chris, but it goes to show just how Cleveland just didn't have not had a great coach. Probably, and I'll and I'll make this strong statement since they came back into the league. No, yeah, you, I mean that's, you hire- that's a very valid point, and you know, I mean, granted, if you look at their division in the AFC North, it's not like they play. You know, it, it's not like it's the NFC East, you know. <laughs> um, you know, they've got Pittsburgh, Baltimore in there. And then, of course, Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati, of course, isn't the uh, the prom queen. But, you know, you've got Baltimore in there and, and Pitt in there, who are definitely, I think, very reputable organizations. And especially right now with Baltimore, with Lamar Jackson. I mean, they're both three and one. You know, uh, Baltimore and Cleveland, and then of course Pitt right now is is three and zero. I don't know really what else we can say besides you know sit back and 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 watch this. This just got a hundred percent more interesting with with Cleveland. Um, you know, it's like you said they have an adult coaching them, and it's the essentially it's like with the difference between McIlwain. And Muschamp, we literally had the same players, mm-hmm. and the they started excelling under Mullen on his coaching capabilities and his his intelligence and understanding of the game. And it's the same thing with any organization. And I I, I think with with the Browns, they they've got someone steering the ship that knows which way is north and which way is south, and and they turn that ship around from southbound and. But that's some bitch heading north. Yeah, and and then the thing is, Chris, you know, I think that was a game to highlight because I think you saw on one side of the spectrum a team that's on the upturn and a team that's on the downturn. And and I'll just say it'll, it'll be in the article, but I'm going to explain, Chris, why Mike McCarthy could potentially be one and done in Dallas. And because look, Chris, this is Jerry Jones. This is he hired. Mike McCarthy, because he led a team to the Super Bowl. That was the expectation. That's, 
I would compare I would compare the Dallas Cowboys to kind of how I'll use your Notre Dame parable, how Notre Dame was, where it felt like it was always a national championship expectation when you had a roster that could probably get you into a decent bowl game, but you had to hire someone and I'm like, you gotta have the talent. And when you look at Mike McCarthy, Chris, this offense is great. But the reality is, Chris, is that they hired a coach. You know the last time Mike Nolan was a defensive coordinator in this league? I could tell you, Chris, because you know why? He was the defensive coordinator of, of our Falcons, and that was eight years ago. That's the last time that man was on a sideline as a defensive coordinator. Ouch. So you basically plucked this guy from hanging with his grandkids who essentially we don't know if he's been watching football. And this is a, and that's another thing, Chris. I didn't mean to go on this rant, but it happens from time to time. But this is the thing, Chris. Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan are like two dads who are trying to be cool and failing terribly. Why, Chris? Because they're trying to be hip. Like, oh, I know analytics. Mike McCarthy, you don't. Mike McCarthy's old school. Chris, sometimes the game, either you evolve with the game or the game leaves you behind. Yeah. Belichick has sustained in this league. Look at how many, when he first started, Chris, this was a defensive league. Remember all those great deep, like the Bears defense, those Ravens defenses. Like, it was a defensive-driven league. And as it progressed the last five years, Chris, it was all about the quarterback. It was all about the offense. Belichick survived that. Other other coaches, Chris, they crashed and burned. That's what happened to Mike McCarthy, Chris. And Aaron Rodgers kind of said it in his own way. Where, listen, the game just kind of probably passed Mike McCarthy by because he was too old school. He was rigid. His rigidity, Chris, cost Green Bay some games. That doesn't mean Mike McCarthy's a terrible coach, Chris, but you have to be able to evolve. It's like in the NBA. Where now the big man, you know, has to shoot on the perimeter. And I'll say this for the record. I was talking to our buddy Derek about this. And when we were back in Stone, and where I remember, and this was back in, let's see, I was in 2001, Chris. I did this before the NBA thought of it. I was a big dude taking threes from the corner, Chris. Because you know why? Because I figured out, Chris, that everyone's going to try to gang me, you know, it's going to be like an episode of Oz in, the, in that post when every time I had the ball. Like, literally, it happened. So one day I said, let me work on my three-point game. Let me stretch, you know, the way I play. And guess what, Chris? It worked. Because you know what happened? Nobody tried to guard me on the because they said, oh, Darius is not going to make it when I switched it. So guess what happened, Chris? They sun out a guy. Yeah. Because, you no, know, that's, it, it's called it, – it's, it's like it, – and that's the point with, 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 with sports as a whole. Chris, and that's life. Either you catch up with life or life leaves you behind. That's sports. And Mike McCarthy, Chris, it left him behind. And you could tell by, by Mike, there's too many great defensive coaches you could have got from a staff. But you went and got a guy who there's a reason why he wasn't a head coach. And Chris, there was a reason why he wasn't in the league. There was a reason for that. It was just not by pure and sheer coincidence. Because the league realized after that Falcons debacle, he couldn't he couldn't do it anymore. Now he could coach in college or mid, but there's a reason why he wasn't on the professional level. And like I said, I'll just go into more in depth on the article this weekend. But 
I think it was great to highlight that game. And and also, Chris, did you see anything else that you liked this weekend as well? And then the in the um, slate of games. You know, so naturally, somehow, some way, some fashion, Adam Gay still has a job. I, 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 I don't know how. I, I really, I really don't know how. Uh, it, it literally questions me. Um, the, the ownership said pretty much win, win against Denver, or your ass is grass, and we're gonna smoke it. And he. Had a, a, I I I want to say and I feel comfortable saying I think we had an opportunity to win, and yeah, um, it it definitely got just pissed away. I think that he is literally endangering Sam Darnold's career. He's not even starting this week. Um, yeah, I've I never seen that. someone run with the enthusiasm that Darnold did. Um, it looked like he was being chased by the police. I mean. <laughs> Uh, that when he scored that running touchdown, I number one, I, I was drinking a beer and I jumped up and spilt it all over my my goddamn uh, coffee table. I was so pissed off about it, but I was like, "Holy shit, there's hope! We're putting points on the board. That's something we normally don't do." But here we are, um, a rookie quarterback just completely annihilated uh, uh, the Jets' defense. Adam Gase is making piss poor decision after piss poor decision. At this point, literally endangering the health and well-being of our quarterback. Um, I, I honestly, I just, I don't know what to say. And besides that, um, there was a close game with uh, the Saints and the Lions. That was definitely a better game than I thought it would be. Uh, Burrow got his first win with the Bengals and the NFL beating up on Jacksonville. Uh, Tom Brady did his thing against the Chargers. Uh, the Vikings actually finally got their first dub against a, a Texans team that, you know, they got smart. They fired Bill O'Brien. I, you know, yeah. I, maybe the Jets really need to assess what what they're going to do. Make a make a a, a, a control hit hit control C and then control V on 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 the paperwork for the Jets, and and you can get rid of uh, Gase as fast as they did O'Brien. Um, the Seahawks and Dolphins game was a little closer, honestly, than I thought it was going to be. Um, I really thought Seattle was just going to go there and just run wild on it. Um, I was happy to see Teddy Bridgewater squeak a, a, a W over Arizona. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm kind of riding pretty high in the Panthers. You know, I, I'm, I, I personally like Robbie Anderson. Um, I want to see him succeed there. Now he has competent coaching that can actually get him the ball. Um, a surprisingly decent game was the Rams and the Giants. Um, shockingly, all, all things considering. Um, of course, the Bears and the Colts, that, that went pretty much a disaster like I, I thought it would. Uh, the Bills and the Raiders, that was a, a, a pretty solid game to watch. Um, I the, the Bills are on the radar. Um, I... I could, all jokes aside, I can see them going into Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. I really could. They're just, I mean, they are executing offense, defense, special teams with efficiency, with tenacity, and with authority. Um, you know, so I, I'm happy to happy to see something like that go on. Uh, the the Eagles and the 49ers, I don't know what happened. 
I don't know if the Earth got knocked off its axis and we're in some type of bizarro world. Somehow the Eagles actually won. <laughs> I just, I, it, it was a great game, and I, I saw. I mean, I watched that game, and and I said I was going to say one thing on that show about that game, and I was like, I wasn't going to say I told you, but listen, listen, Carson Wentz, listen, Carson Wentz is out there. He's talented, and he literally. You could argue won the football game. They didn't, you know. Listen, they only had three penalties the whole game. And listen, let's face it, they were playing the Niners B squad essentially. You know, they pulled out. They pulled out Mullins for Beathard because Mullins threw essentially through very a, a pivotal interception. And you know, Shanahan gave him, you know, gave him the old thing at the Apollo with the Sandman and kind of pulled him out of the game. The Philadelphia Eagles, Chris, and I'll just say this. And I marked it down, and I said it when I predict they're going to win the NFC East because because listen, when everyone gets healthy, Chris, this is a very very talented football team. They got the better, like Ron Rivera is a great coach, but I go with Doug Peterson because he actually has the Super Bowl ring. You got the best coach in the division, arguably maybe the more talented quarterback in the division, and you got quite maybe the more sound organization too. So it's a great mix there watching that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I was I was shocked to see them beat the 49ers, all things considering. But like you said, their defense is pretty beat to shit. So, um, but I I still figure the Eagles would just self implode like every neutron device that that does it. Um, of course, you know Kansas City ran over the uh, the Patriots. Um, even post Tom Brady, I still enjoy watching the Patriots lose because their fan base is still just one of the most obnoxious ones known to man. Um, and then, of course, um, the uh, the flight of the Falcon was a very uh, very short and and narrow flight. Um, uh, I don't recall that game. I don't recall that game. Yeah, I I, I don't want to recall it because I I so I, I know we're getting ready to segue into fantasy football. Um, I honestly think I, I was playing behind the eight ball. I, I finally have caught my first loss of the season. I am officially, uh, three and one now. It's a, it's a, it's a travesty. If, if <laughs> oh, boy. it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's an, un, it's an unholy travesty. Uh, <laughs> um, Hey guys, if you book Chris going, if you're a booking, you book Chris going undefeated. Uh, yeah, you, well, you bet wrong. You bet. I, 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 to, I, I said that. I said that my luck would run out this week, and I was, I was a hundred percent right. I, I, I bet on myself losing, but I, because if if Matty Ice would have actually played decent, and their and Atlanta's defense just didn't shit themselves out like normal, I, I honestly think that. I could have won. I could have came back and won. If if he could have played a solid game like he normally does and get the ball to Calvin Ridley and and put points on the board, I could have won. But um, Dan Quinn's another one that's on the hot seat. I don't understand how he still has a job. And me, um, you and me both. Yeah, I I, I think that's going to be a to be continued story on on the Dan, on the, the the tragedy of Dan Quinn. Um, that was a very disappointing game, but. Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things, and it was a, a good game for them nonetheless. Um, I I just don't I don't know what 
what has to be done to get some of these coaches out the door, but something has to something has to give at this point. Um, you know, there there are fun games to watch. COVID is starting to really rear its ugly head to everybody. So I think that's going to become a major benefactor this season. Um, but, you know, in, in the words, to be continued, um, they're talking about now, you know, the Bills are playing the Titans this week, and they're talking about making the Titans forfeit the game and just give the dub yeah. to Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> talk about a win-win situation. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean to cut you off. I apologize. But let me be clear, Chris. Because this is something that I really wanted to talk about before we transition to into your into your amazing starting and sitting segment. One of the things is is that, and one of the things is is that when you look at an organization like the Tennessee Titans and what they've done, Chris, the only injustice here is that I say you pay the bills and you pay the even Chris. I would have even gave the Steelers a win because, Chris, it's incompetence at every level. Over 20 players for the, you know, you know, players instead, you know, I believe for the Titans have caught. Chris, that's on the organization. Chris, and people are like, oh, well, other teams have done it. But no, it's at the rate it's happening in Tennessee where essentially, Chris, they've affected pretty much, you know, outside of the uh, the Pats. Chiefs game, they've affected the game. They've affected their schedule has been hit the hardest because it's not being safe. Like they had a secret practice, Chris. And I'm like, that's on the organization not taking this seriously. And and, and at some point, Chris, if they're not taking this seriously, then you know what? You know how you make people take you seriously? You start taking things from them. It's like when a kid starts getting a petulant child, what do you do, Chris? You take stuff from them. Yep. Like you, like you gotta, you gotta show this organization. They don't get it, and it's not fair. It's not Buffalo's fault. They're fine. It, it wasn't the Steelers' fault, Chris. It's called protocol. Everybody knew. As bad as our Falcons and Jets are, Chris, they even follow protocol. Like I wish, you know, like we don't. Yeah, sometimes I almost wish we just wouldn't play. <laughs> it's it's like I'm like okay, we could sit like okay listen if we end the season it's not gonna be as bad as we think and, you know you're like in the old stock market you know you just cut your losses but anyway but my whole point is Chris is that you need to make a statement to and Goodell needs to make a statement to be very clear about it Chris that listen we don't tolerate you know lack of following protocol we don't tolerate it so you know what Chris and I'm gonna say it you find them chumps a million dollars. You hit them in their pockets, Chris, because these are lives we're talking about here. Like, yeah. listen, this is real. This is live. Like, no quarter million, no half a million. A million dollar fine. And if give give the opposing team a win, and you show them. Because, Chris, if every other team in the league can follow the protocol, like the Cam Newton situation, it happened. But the New England, it wasn't happening every week. Or, like, the team who was hitting the storylines, it wasn't always New England. It was always the Titans. And at some point, Chris, Goodell has to show them, like, look, if all, everybody in the league can follow the rules and you can't, then you got to stop it. Because, Chris, it's only going because now there's talking about maybe shortening the season and cutting, and cutting the season. And, Chris, we're almost toward the end of the year. 
You yeah. know, we're not even we're not even we're just a fourth of the way through the season, and we're only talking. Yeah, maybe we should end the season. Like this is the one sport that literally can't have baseball shorten their season because they could do it. The 162 was too much anyway, so they were to condense it to 60. And yeah, you had here and there things with the Marlins, but look, they figured it out. Chris, Tennessee is not trying to figure it out. They're not trying to be safe. You can make up games in baseball, Chris. It's very hard to make up games in the NFL, Chris. It's super hard because essentially it's 17 weeks of football and you get a play and you get the bye week. Yep. So so essentially, Chris, if two games are screwed up, Chris, you're talking about a regular season. The Super Bowl, Chris, could potentially be pushed back if you have to have a makeup week because a bunch of chumps can't follow rules. And it's garbage. And and, and, it, and Chris, it, it pisses me off. It's, no, it's no, anger. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, man. Because it is angry and it's upsetting. So I can say a million. Listen, none of that half or quarter mil. Make it a million. And speaking of millions, I want to and I want to transition to fantasy football by saying, listen, probably millions, of, millions of fans and those who do fantasy football. They're affected by, you know, not, you know, they're, listen, it impacts the, the rosters as well. But I'm just as curious because, listen, you're also playing a good opponent this week. I don't know if you know who it is yet, but <laughs> I heard he was a great guy. I, I honestly have to have the hardest schedule in the league. I mean, I, I am just going from one miserable matchup to another, and it is just, it's just not like it's it's misery right now for me. It, it's, it, I uh, in in the past three weeks, I've I've played two top top four teams. Uh, you know, in the past four weeks, I've played three top four teams. Uh, you know, I mean, I I am in I am running a gauntlet right now, and I am. My my IR bench is, is is starting to get a little on the heavy side. Um, it's you know this week is going to be one of the more complex weeks I think in uh, in fantasy, and I had a very very hard time uh, trying to to do this, and this is all fluid as of. Right before Thursday night kickoff, uh, you know we're 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 pre-recording, editing, and and producing, and and we'll be launching, you know, right probably right before, not soon after kickoff. Um, this is all fluid right now, so I'm trying to give you guys as much info as I can. However, stay, pay attention, you know, ears open, eyeballs click. Um, you know, for quarterbacks, I'll start running through the regular starters that are actually healthy. <laughs> um, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, uh, Dak Prescott. Um, you know, the list is dwindling because we're starting to have issues where, where teams are getting sidebarred from, uh, from playing because of COVID. Um, so some of your stronger starts, uh, Deshaun Watson going to, uh, Jacksonville, now that Bill O'Brien's out of the picture, maybe they'll actually do something. And they're also playing Jacksonville. So, um, you know, that would, you know, let nature run its course. On the opposite side of the ball, I think Gardner Minshew is going to be a very strong start. 
uh, because of the disarray in Houston. I mean, that Houston, you got a problem. Uh, and it's not Tom Hanks with some duct tape uh, 28 miles up in the sky orbiting a, a, a rock that orbits us. Um, you got some problems right here at, at sea level. Um, another strong start, I think, is going to be Drew Brees going against the Chargers. Um, I think that where the Chargers' defense is, is fairly tough on the pass side, I think that Tom Brady really exposed a lot of holes. And I think that Drew Brees is going to follow up just as another veteran who who manages the game at the line, not on the sideline, not in the locker room. At the line, he is he is excellent at reading defenses and changing the play right then and there. Um, you know, I know he's one of your favorite players, Kirk Cousins. I think is going to have a very strong start against Seattle. Seattle is playing some great ball on offense, but defensive, they're they're a bottom ten team on defense. They are looking a little rough around the edges. Um, I I think the twelfth man missing is a serious issue with them. I I, I really think it is. Um, Kirk Cousins going to Philadelphia. I think that uh, it, it, you know Philadelphia's got a good pass rush, but Big Ben has so many people to throw to that you could blitz them. And the problem with blitzing is you're peeling a secondary and putting them on the quarterback, which is leaving a receiver or a tight end or a running back open. And Big Ben is a cerebral assassin like many other quarterbacks in the league. And if you want to send a middle linebacker over, fine. He'll take the hit, but he's going to drop a little flutter right down the middle on, on a bailout flat pass to a tight end and just let God do do his work. Um, another very strong start at the quarterback position, I think, is going to be Justin Herbert. Um, this rookie is just – I mean, dude, he is studding. Uh, New Orleans defense, I think, is in, in it's kind of the same situation. They're not playing super, super well, but they're hanging. Um and I think if correct me if I'm wrong, this came across right before I think we we started rolling here that Justin Herbert I think is the official starter now for yeah, it, the Chargers. It, it, they're they're benching uh, uh, what's his face there, Tyrod Taylor. So congrats on Justin Herbert for really going out there and showing his stuff. I think there's a reason why they drafted him so early, and I think he's he's earning his pay, as we say. I think uh, speaking of pay. For your DFS bargains for um, DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, I know you guys get tired of hearing his name coming from my mouth, but I think he's going to be a very, very strong person um, that you're going to be able to buy low, and the Falcons' defense is looking a little rough around the edges. Uh, Daniel Jones, same thing going to Dallas. I think old, old Danny Dimes does some damage, uh, and Dallas's dysfunctional defense isn't looking pretty either. You see how many Ds? I dropped on that right there. That was actually That's impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> impressive. Um, some deep streamers, you know, some some uh, um, proceed at your own risk that could go really good or really really bad. Uh, Jimmy G or Nick Mullins uh, going against the 49 or excuse me, from the 49ers going to Miami. Uh, proceed at caution though. Um, some of your weaker starters that I think you should probably put on the bench is going to be. Uh, much as I hate saying this because he's one of my boys, but, uh, you know, Matty Ice, we, we don't know what's going on. Uh, Julio Jones is probably going to miss this game, too. Uh, so that's one less target he's going to throw. 
Calvin Ridley didn't exactly look 100%, so that leaves Gag and, you know, and a few others. So uh, proceed, proceed with caution. Um, Joe Burrow going to Baltimore. Joe Burrow's doing good, but Baltimore is just one of those defenses you 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 might want to stay away. Uh, Tom Brady going to Chicago. As much as we pick on Chicago's offense, if you notice, we don't pick on their defense too much, and there's a reason uh, – you know, for that. And I think with Tom Brady in his elder years, he's, well, he was never mobile to begin with, but um, he definitely doesn't have the line he had in New England. He's definitely taken some more hits. Um, I I would steer away from him. Um, Jared Goff, I would definitely, uh, he's another one that a lot of people are, are surprised of me putting on the, the tread with caution list. Um Washington's defense is is there. They they are they are legitimately there. Um, Ryan Tannehill going to uh, Buffalo if they play. Um, go ahead and and scratch that. Buffalo's defense is they they get they got the number. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, old Fitz Magic, and all of his burly chest hair going to San Fran. Even with as as banged up as their defense is, I think Fitz is about out of magic. Um, some of your deep traps that go really good or really bad are going to be neither Phillip Rivers or Baker Mayfield, and they're both playing each other. Depends on which defense for each team shows up. Proceed with caution. Um, on the running backs, you know, your usual starts, uh, Zeke, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, uh, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, blah, 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 blah. You guys know all of them. Uh, some of your stronger starts, uh, if you haven't picked them up yet, Go scoop him. I doubt that he's available, but you might have some mentally uh, inept people in your league. Uh, Mike Davis from Carolina going to Atlanta. Atlanta, of course, sucks at at, at rush defense and short pass defense. Um, with with Christian McCaffrey still out, um, Mike Davis has been just just he's he's out there. Just, he's putting work in to say the least. Um, hats off to him. Same thing with Devin Singletary. Again, if this game happens. The Bills have done some some serious damage. I don't think Zach Moss is going to come back from this game. If they do play, he's got that toe issue. Um, Devin Singletary has definitely been getting his turn at the ball, and I think we'll definitely turn up the Jets. Speaking of the Jets, uh, even though Kenyon Drake doesn't play for him, uh, start him against the Jets because, well, you know, just end the season. That's what Jets stands for. It's looking pretty terrible. Uh, Ronnie Jones, uh, from Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, I slid him your way going to Chicago. Chicago's run defense is weak. Uh, and with Leonard Fournette's ankle, uh, I think, uh, RJ is going to get some, some good time. Uh, Antonio Gibson from Washington. Uh, he's starting to get some volume and I think he's going to do some damage. The Rams, uh, they're, they're a very medial defense. So, I mean, they're going to give up some, some yards. Uh, Devontae Freeman going to Dallas, especially with, with Barkley just done for the season. I think Freeman is going to be the go-to guy um, that you're going to be able to get, get some turns out of. Uh, on your DFS for uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, David Johnson from the Texans. You can buy him low. You can you can keep him low. Damian Harris from New England. Uh, you can buy him low, keep him low. I also got Damian Harris as a trap star this week and a sleeper. So if he's available, do yourself a favor, go get him. Uh, some of your uh, your your weaker cats on the running back side, stay away from this week. Melvin Gordon, Daryl Harrison, uh, David Montgomery, 
uh, Miles Gaskin, Latavius Murray, uh, Rex Burkhead, and James White. Neither one of those boys I think you can trust. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards uh, going to Cincinnati. You're literally rolling the dice, man. You're going to hit snake eyes. You're going to bust. So tread with caution. Uh, and then uh, uh, Dearness Johnson from the Browns. Uh, Hunt is definitely going to dominate touches, but you got to remember he's coming back off of some type of groin injury. Um, he's not going to get all the turns that he would traditionally get when he played in Kansas or that he would get right meow. Uh, so have him there. If you got, if you're in a jam with a flex, I, I, I think he would at least get you in a PPR league, 10 to 11 points for, uh, uh, you know, for something there, uh, for wideouts, this is where it really starts getting tricky. Uh, Michael Thomas, if he returns Julio, if he returns, of course, your 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 typicals, your Tyreeks, your Mike Evans, your AR AR twelves, uh, Juju, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, OBJ has has found his resurgence. Uh, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, DJ Chark, uh, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, if he plays. Um, a lot of these are if they play, so please pay attention. Um, some of your stronger starts. Again, we talked about the Jacksonville Texans game. Um, I think Will Fuller is going to uh, be firing on all cylinders because I think they're going to have a little bit more uh, liberally ran offense now that that you know, old boys out of the kingdom and, and they maybe might be able to actually play a game. Uh, Marquise Brown, I think, is going to pop off heavy. Hollywood is definitely he he's he's ready for that big play to pop off. He didn't earn that name for nothing. So let's let's see where it comes in. I think uh, Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb are going to have some great games against the Giants secondary. Giants got a good defense. Their secondary does lack a little luster, and I think they're going to put so much emphasis on Amari Cooper. They're going to forget that these two cats exist, and you you saw what happened when Cleveland started slipping on them. They, they found their way into the end zone very, very quickly. Um, I think that John Brown from the Bills is going to have uh, himself a day and I think uh, Justin Jefferson from the Vikings is going to have himself a day. He's a red-hot rookie against a Seattle defense that is just all over the place, and I don't mean that in a nice way. Some of your uh, DFS bargains, uh, Debo Samuel's finally back. His foot's good to go. You're going to be able to buy him low because he's had an issue. The Dolphins have a very hard time covering speed and and. Uh, acceleration. They do not get off the line fast on fast receivers. Expect him to have a good day. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I think with a little bit more experienced quarterback, he might get a little bit more usage. However, the Cardinals defense aren't built to cover him because he's so quick. Same situation as Debo. They don't get off the line fast. If Crowder can get out and get an open space quick with an experienced quarterback like Flacco, he's going to see those things. Let's just hope that Flacco stays alive. Um, uh, some of your deep sleepers are going to be, uh, Hardman from the chiefs, uh, and, and I think Chenault from Jacksonville, I think we can, we could see some alerts. Some of your weaker starters are going to be, uh, Jarvis Landry. Um, <laughs> unless if he throws another pass touchdown, I don't see him doing a lot fantasy wise this week on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, I see T Y Hilton possibly being, a danger. He he's really done nothing of merit. Um, and we talked about Cleveland's defense really coming alive and, and having a lot of, a, a lot of takeaways. So I think that, 
uh, Philip Rivers needs to really keep his head on a swivel. Uh, Julian Edelman, you know, with uh, with Cam Newton still isn't you know ready to go yet. I think he's going to have an issue. On the opposite side, I think Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick are going to have a secondary with with uh, Stephon Gilmore lurking around in the back. That man's going to cause some problems, I think, for a lot of people on the Broncos' side. Brandon Cooks, the man is made of glass. Steer clear. I said that from week one. I'm going to say it now in in in, in week five. Um, essentially, any Cincinnati player, I'm just going to say go ahead and bench him against Baltimore. That's going to be a pretty fair, a pretty ugly game. Uh, two players that are that are fringe that you need to pay attention to um, on the return of Michael Thomas is Eman and Traquan Smith. If uh, Michael Thomas comes back, I think he's just going to forget everybody else on the field doesn't exist except for Kamara and Michael Thomas. Um, so I think Sanders and Traquan are going to have some serious fantasy devalue coming up. So again, proceed at caution. Pay attention to your rosters. Make sure you make those moves at twelve fifty-five because when one o'clock strikes, it's the hand of God getting dropped, and you're going to be in a rough situation. Uh, for tight ends, last but not least, your regular cats: Travis Kelsey, Greg, or excuse me, George Kittle. He 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 came back with a vengeance last week. Uh, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, blah blah blah. You know the typicals. Some of your actually real strong starts. Uh, Johnny Smith from the Titans, if they play. The Bills, for some reason, they got a hard time covering linebackers. They've got everything else in check. That, that or excuse me, tight ends. That linebacker core in, in Buffalo, they're great at rushing, not great at blocking uh, the pass. So watch those tight ends in that low, low flat range. Uh, Evan Ingram going to Dallas. That's about, uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Evan Ingram going to Dallas. Same thing. Dallas does not have a a strong presence defensively. I think that got exposed hardcore. I expect uh, uh, Evan to have a big day. Uh, I I think that Daniel Jones is going to drop some dimes on him. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, I think, is going to finally start to shine uh, with OJ Howard out for the. I think he's done for the season, right? He's got that Achilles that uh, that blew out on him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think uh, Gronk is going to have himself a day. Uh, and then the only Bengals player that I, I see having any luck or success this week is going to be Drew Sample. Um, the Ravens, again, if for some reason, they're just one of those teams. Their linebacker core does not pay attention to tight ends. So in a PPR league, I think Burrow is going to use him as his blanket, that little, like that little comfy warmth you feel when you're scared, because um, I think Baltimore's defense is definitely going to scare the piss out of him. Um, in PPR leagues, I think Sample will do good. Uh, the only DFS bargain I got for tight end this week is uh, for for DraftKings and FanDuel is Eric Ebron from from Pittsburgh. Again, he's on the fringe. He's the only one I can really come up with some type of sustainable information. We'll see what happens. Some of your weaker cats that you might want to put on the bench. Uh, Zach Ertz from Philly. I think Pittsburgh is just going to – I don't think they're going to get as lucky as as they did against the 49ers. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Hunter Hurst from the Falcons. Um, that's one thing the, pa- the, the, the Panthers have done is they've covered – that linebacker core has held tight ends incredibly low. As good as Hayden Hurst is, I don't think that – 
Carolina is going to let him excel very well. Um, I think that Austin Hooper is going to be one of those guys you should probably put down, put him on your bench. Uh, Mike Kosinke, I think, is going to be the same situation. And uh, Jimmy Graham from Chicago. Um, the Bucks. Bucks are looking mighty, mighty strong on defense. And, uh, I mean, they they contained Hunter Henry last week uh, thanks to uh, uh, Winfield Jr. So I think that's going to be a, uh, a, a continuation going into this week. So that's what I got for my stardom and sit this week. Um, injuries are starting to pile up. You're, luckily, in the next week or two, we're going to start seeing some boys start peeling off the IR and get back to regularly scheduled programming. Um, stay tough. Pay attention to the wire. Hit us up on the on the Instagram and the Twitters and, and all of our uh, other points of contact. If you got questions, comments, or concerns, like I said, always do that roster check at 1250. Make sure that you get those 1 o'clock game announcements of who's going because if you don't, that's on you, Boo Bear. Uh that's what I got. That's how you that's how you end the segment with Boo Bear. That's how you end the segment strong. That's how you know how strong the stardom and sit segment is. By that. If you didn't already know essentially the first month of the season, it was strong. I think that right there. And before we And, you know, before we wrap up the fantasy football with his one loss, you know, I get to say that Chris is one of us, one of us, <laughs> one of us. I, I've, been, I've been holding that in the bank for, like, the longest time. But, but I know, Chris, you want to you wanna talk about some postseason, so we'll wrap up talking a little postseason baseball. Yeah, man. Um, you know, we're, we're at the height. It's starting to get a little nasty in the uh, – in the world of baseball, um, you got you got some very surprising ones, and you've got some very uh, uh, shocking ones. Uh, you know, Atlanta swept uh, the Marlins. You know, they 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 finished them off today, uh, seven to zero. Uh, you got Game Four Good. right now Good. going on, bottom of the fifth uh, between the A's and the Astros. Right now, Houston is leading seven to four. Uh, Houston has a two two to one lead, um, and then of course you've got the Dodgers and Padres. Right now, LA uh, is is ahead two to zero, and right now uh, things aren't looking good for San Diego. They gotta they gotta get something going on tonight. Uh, and then last but not least, my Yankees fell apart yesterday. It was just very piss poor pitching. Um, and of course, Gary Sanchez is just slubbing it up uh, in in the batter's box. Um, luckily, he's getting sad again, so we're gonna hopefully get something going here. But uh, I'm happy to see Stanton is is crushing some balls. Uh, you know, we we just got to get something going on on the on the pitching side and figure out what's gonna go. To, you know, the game tonight. Uh, for the Yanks, seven uh, ten tonight with with the Rays. Uh, I think this is something that's it's a must win situation. Uh, you know, like I said, the Dodgers and Padres are going on tonight for Game Three. Uh, you know, we'll just see, we'll see what happens. You know, there, there's definitely some some baseball to be left. Hopefully, your teams are hanging in there. Um, yeah, that's 
That's, uh, that's pretty much what I got for that, man. I, I figured I'd wrap that segment up pretty quick. What do you think for tonight? You want to do our picks uh, on air between Chicago and, uh, and Tampa Bay? I think we're having a little bit of technical difficulty there, folks. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Who do you got? Can you hear me? Can you, who do you have tonight? Yep. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to I'm gonna roll on with, with, uh, with Tampa Bay. I, I think Tampa Bay is looking strong. They're playing great on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. I think Chicago, even though Chicago is a 3-1 team, um, I think there is a issue on offensively they're still trying to figure out who they are and i think right now tampa bay just has too many weapons even though chris godwin's going to be out um they still got mike evans they still got gronk they still have uh ronald jones um i i i don't think it's going to be a high scoring game it's it's not going to be a a a a big 12 blowout but i definitely think tampa bay is going to uh squeak by in the dub tonight yeah you know i think you know on a short week you know, short week, I go with the team that would, who really caught far at the end. Tampa really caught far at the second half of, you know, versus the Chargers. And like I tell people about the Bears, I, like again, I was talking to uh, somebody and I made it clear, like, listen, I like Nick Foles, but there are other problems on that offense. Like, listen, Allen Robinson is great, but Chris, outside of Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, I believe, is, is out. So the reality is, Chris, is that, listen, you know, 64-year-old Tom Brady is going to win this football game. Short week, and if and and if you're if you're a betting person, take the under and the points. I don't see a lot of points because both defenses are pretty good. So I think we're both riding the pirate in Tampa with that. Speaking of riding, we're going to ride out cannons. by saying the cannons. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think they I think they didn't have the Revolutionary War. Didn't have the war started. But anyway, well. <laughs> We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get research on that. <laughs> but before we wrap up, then our social media at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. Go to Facebook.com slash Sports the World for Facebook and on personal Twitter at Ladares underscore Brown and Chris at UFC Twitter. So <laughs> UFC, UFC pretend Twitter. <laughs> UFC pretend Twitter. And make sure it's pretend is pretend is P-R-E-T-N-D for those who there's no fancy uh <laughs> Yeah. So check us out on check us on the social. Is it with questions, thoughts, and responses to each and every week of the podcast? So until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next time here. Be real, be you, and be blessed. I'm always here from the sports and the world podcast. See you.